Welcome to the Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature. Since 2012, capital flows have been greater into the clean energy side of the ledger than the dirty energy side. And for the rest of history, that will be the story. Whenever new additions are put into the grid, they are clean by cost because you can no longer build a coal plant, let alone a gas plant, let alone an oil plant or a nuclear plant for lower cost than wind or solar power plant. That's all she wrote. The money is on our side. It's all alive. It's all connected. It's all intelligent. It's all relatives. We stand at the threshold of a historic opportunity in the human experiment to reimagine how to live on Earth in ways that honor the web of life, each other, and future generations. It's a revolution from the heart of nature and the human heart. In this series, The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature, we celebrate social and scientific innovators with breakthrough solutions for restoring people and planet, creating a future environment of hope. Energy is a nation's master resource. Throughout history, each successive empire has had an idiosyncratic ability to exploit a particular energy source that then propelled its rise to economic power. The Dutch Empire learned how to tap wood, wind, and water. The British Empire fueled its ascendancy on coal. The American Empire has dominated with oil. The cautionary tale is this. No empire has been able to successfully manage the transition to the next energy source. Today, in the fossil fuel-induced age of escalating climate disruption, the joker in the deck is the climate imperative to transition rapidly off fossil fuels worldwide. It requires the most complex and fiercely urgent passage in the history of human civilization. Nothing like it has ever been done. The charge is to transform the global energy economy from a vicious cycle to a virtuous cycle. As the Archbishop of Canterbury said, the economy is a wholly owned subsidiary of the environment. Just as the economics are driving the destruction, they need to power the restoration. And they are. Clean energy has reached the proverbial tipping point, and the smart money is hot on the trail of the clean energy revolution. But will it outrun the burdens of history? In this half hour, we'll hear from clean energy entrepreneur and visionary change maker, Danny Kennedy. He says clean energy not only makes dollars, it makes sense. He also says we're in a literal power struggle that could take us from energy monopoly to energy democracy. This is Power Struggle, the unstoppable rise of the clean energy era. I'm Neil Harvey, I'll be your host. Welcome to the Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. Photovoltaics as a product have dropped in cost precipitously because of something called a manufacturing learning curve. Every time we double the manufacturing volume, they come down in cost. And the cost down curve drives an adoption curve. In fact, as fast as telephones have been shifted to smartphones in your lifetime, 
we're actually growing faster. Photovoltaic adoption since 1992 has been at a rate greater than cell phone adoption because of cost down. And that adoption is changing energy around the world. And this curve is not stopping. It is relentless. Since the turn of the century, we've had seven doublings in solar and four doublings in wind power. In 2007, Danny Kennedy changed horses, shifting from activist to entrepreneur. After years as a campaign manager for Greenpeace Australia Pacific and director of Project Underground to protect human rights against mining and oil operations worldwide, he founded Sungevity, one of the first major U.S. residential solar power companies. He's had a bird's-eye view of the economic transformation of solar energy. Danny Kennedy spoke at a Bioneers conference. So if we were to maintain the same rate of doubling of market share as we have done so far this century, by 2030 we would be 100% solar-powered civilization. I am not saying, for the record, as a business person that's built solar companies, that's going to continue. That rate of doubling will be dragged out. Friction in the system, bureaucracy, politics, and the incumbency fighting back. The central reason we won't be a 100% solar-powered civilization by 2030 is the same reason previous empires have failed to catch the next wave of energy transformation. It's the story of a power struggle between vested interests and disruptive paradigm shifts. After all, energy is the driver that permeates all aspects of an economy. In a new energy economy, there will be winners and losers. For all those people who have built wealth and power for a century on fossil fuels, this is frightening. They describe this phenomenon as the terror dome. Their wealth and power has accreted because their cost curve is exactly the opposite of a technology learning curve. Theirs is driven by an economic rule called scarcity. The more you use it, the more expensive it becomes, as opposed to what we're talking about, which is the more you use it, the lower cost it becomes. And so they've been able to extract a higher and higher price through time until recently solar streaking out of the sky like some deus ex machina to save the day is disrupting their comfy ride. The Koch brothers and others, the Saudi royal family, King Cole, the people behind Dapple, all those folk are fundamentally and existentially threatened by this curve. Here's what that existential threat looks like. Entrepreneur and Stanford University-affiliated researcher Tony Seba authored a 2014 report called Clean Disruption of Energy and Transportation, which outlines a very possible near future that is rightly making fossil fuel interests quake in their boots. Seba posits that by 2030, Silicon Valley will make oil, nuclear, natural gas, coal, electric utilities, and conventional cars obsolete. All new energy will be provided by solar or wind. All new mass market vehicles will be electric. Billions of dollars of oil will become stranded and there will be a mass stranding of existing vehicles. The tipping point could be as soon as 2020. The report adds that as a result of this electrifying transportation revolution to what's called transportation as service, think Uber and Lyft, the average American family could save more than $5,600 a year. So where does the money think the future is? What's the bet on the table? 
Which of these sectors in the global power industry received more project finance in 2015? The nuclear industry, the wind and solar industry, or the coal, oil, and gas industry combined? All the coal, oil, and gas projects you can think of. Which of those got more money? Be prepared to be blown away. In 2015, wind and solar projects received $260 billion worth of investment. Coal, oil, and gas projects globally, all the fracking that you heard about, all that stuff totaled $130 billion, exactly half of what wind and solar got. Since 2012, capital flows have been greater into the clean energy side of the ledger than the dirty energy side. And for the rest of history, that will be the story. Whenever new additions are put into the grid, they are clean by cost because you can no longer build a coal plant, let alone a gas plant, let alone an oil plant or a nuclear plant for lower cost than wind or solar power plant. That's all she wrote. The money's on our side. And going forward, for the next 25 years of history, we are expecting to invest $10 trillion, somewhat rewiring America and Europe and elsewhere, but mostly building out an electricity grid for a couple billion people in Africa and Asia that don't currently have electricity and are coming online. Of that 10 trillion, already 8 trillion is earmarked for clean energy, just by the numbers. And if we stop fossil fuels in their tracks by standing at Standing Rock and elsewhere, we can make sure that it's the full 10 trillion goes to clean and not dirty. And which major economies are already leading this charge? California has done an incredible thing in 30 years, decoupling our economic growth here to become the fifth largest economy in the world. If California were a country, we'd be bigger than Great Britain by GDP, right? We've attracted the first automobile manufacturer in 50 years of note to come up. We've built the most valuable businesses on Earth, Apple, Google, Facebook, etc. while the previous century's dinosaurs are dying, the coal sector, which is now 99% bankruptcy in this country, the Exxon and oil boys that are all failing as well. And we've built an economy that is rich and en route to be 50% solar and wind and renewably powered by 2030, and probably 70% by then, while growing a population and continuing to uplift our citizens. Not perfect by any means, great diversity in that story, and this state, like everyone in the union, has much to do to meet all people's needs and lift all boats, but it's an incredible history of success. And by the way, California alone now has more clean energy jobs than all coal jobs in the entire United States. Follow the money, as Danny Kennedy says. Apple, the company with the world's highest market capitalization, is now using 96% clean energy worldwide and 100% in 24 countries, including the U.S. and China. 23 Fortune 500 companies have pledged to reach 100% clean energy, including Walmart and Bank of America. Even Appalachian coal country power plants are turning away from coal, in great part because their biggest new customers want clean energy. That would be Facebook, General Motors, and Microsoft. After all, any smart business would prefer clean energy's cheaper, fixed and predictable energy cost locked in for 20-year contracts. By 2016, politically red states, including Iowa, Kansas, and North and South Dakota, were getting the largest amount of their energy from wind turbines. 
Wind energy is now economically competitive, even without subsidies. It's the same for solar, whose costs dropped 80 percent in just a decade as of 2017. So what will it take to transform the entire world's energy system? Danny Kennedy. Call it a trillion dollars. Sounds like a lot, right? Thousand billion dollars. We're a $75 trillion global economy. We spend $1.2 trillion on mortgages in America annually. We spend half a trillion dollars or 400 some billion dollars on uh, car loans in America annually. So for the whole world to rewire and go through this planetary emergency and fix the energy systems at the end use, be they electricity or mobility, we need to do about what we do on mortgages in America annually. It's actually entirely doable. The capital markets have tens of trillions of dollars sitting on the sidelines right now in a low interest rate environment, not doing much productively. And they should be in this game. They are not because you and I as owners of pension funds and you and I as workers in companies that make investments are not asking them to do that. So it's one place to, to engage and think about possibility and it's entirely manageable at the level of capital. The divest-invest movement to convince pension funds and the plethora of giant institutional investors to divest from fossil fuels has been wildly successful. Commitments are on the books to reassign $5 trillion and rising. Pulling money from fossil fuels is just one part of the puzzle. As Danny Kennedy points out, the problem is what to invest in. Think of your favorite clean energy companies today. You know, maybe it's Tesla. What's Tesla worth on the stock market? 30, 40 billion, something crazy, you know, incredible valuation. Call it 50. 50 billion bucks makes one Tesla, it's taken them a decade or so to build. Uh, you need, what, 20 of those to make a trillion dollars annually. To do that, you need thousands more trying because the attrition rate on entrepreneuring as a journey in life is about 10% success rate. The Tesla of hopefully two-wheel vehicles in India, as India urbanizes and hundreds of millions of humans move into cities, hopefully not designed around four-wheel vehicle platforms and sprawl, which is the mistake we made in America in the 50s, but rather around two-wheel vehicles and walkable cities, but with electric boost bikes like Gen Z. But those bicycle companies with their two-wheel electrified platforms, they need to grow and spawn hundreds and thousands of successful businesses around that technology set. So there's this massive burgeoning opportunity space, but the challenge is how do you train, support, catalyze kids and elders and everyone in between to start those companies or social enterprises, whatever form, nonprofit, for-profit that they want to take to deliver those services. That is a real gap and bottleneck in the system of transition, which the economics, because of the cost and price of the power supply and the capital flows because of the returns that that money will make if they invest in them, want to make. They don't have enough businesses or social enterprises to back right now. So that's why we do a lot of support for entrepreneurial ecosystems in a kind of biomimicry kind of way, trying to seed companies. This is why Danny Kennedy went on to co-found Powerhouse, Solar Energy's premier incubator and accelerator. It connects budding entrepreneurs to the resources they need to realize the clean energy revolution. 
Danny Kennedy also directs the nonprofit California Clean Energy Fund, a $25 million pot of capital that spawned the new energy nexus. It's a network of incubators and accelerators in the U.S., Asia, and Africa that share lessons learned and that cultivates energy ecosystem development. When we return, the power struggle is expanding beyond money to social justice and energy democracy, says Danny Kennedy. This is Power Struggle, the unstoppable rise of the clean energy era. I'm Neil Harvey. You're listening to The Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. To explore all available Bioneers radio shows, podcasts, video programming, and more from Danny Kennedy, please visit Bioneers.org. Danny Kennedy and many others have been instrumental in building the business of clean energy, but the private sector alone can't make it happen. It's not a coincidence that the climate crisis is occurring simultaneously with the crisis of even more extreme inequality than during the Gilded Age of the robber barons. It's a world where three billionaires have as much wealth as half the world's people. It's a world where, if these billionaires were their own country, they'd be the third largest nation by GDP. What could possibly go wrong? In other words, success in facing the climate crisis means also addressing extreme inequality. Once again, California is leading the way, this time on the environmental inequity tack. The Golden State instituted groundbreaking climate justice policies that commit real money to environmental justice for disadvantaged communities. It will amount to hundreds of millions of dollars in coming years. Danny Kennedy knows that the California model is doubly important because what happens in California doesn't stay in California. Some really exciting legislation has been passed to ensure that California's clean economy as it rises does lift all boats. I think that's a strong focus of the Latino caucus and Asian American legislators and others in Sacramento. And so as they design the incentives and the policies that make the electricity market in California, they're ensuring that you know it, it does work in all communities and not just a few. A great example of that is SB 535, which took greenhouse gas reduction funds and earmarked or guaranteed that as much as 40% of them will go into the communities that have historically been hurt worst and first by fossil fuels. The fence line communities around refineries and the like in the inner city have been polluted by dirty air quality and what the idea is is that this earmark means money will be spent on supporting business development, supporting projects, supporting employment and training and other clean energy infrastructure to be built out in those disadvantaged area communities. And 
I think it's brilliant for reasons that are obvious. It's the right thing to do, and it's what we should do to make up for the history of abuse that came with the fossil fuel industry and refineries and such in places like Richmond and elsewhere in California. It's also just smart, you know, buying everyone in. If you want to, you know, land this thing with a clean energy economy, you got to take off with everyone on board. And that's what they're trying to do with this legislation. But realistically, not everyone is going to be on board in this power struggle. Fossil fuel interests have everything to lose. This part of the power struggle harkens back to the beginning of the electricity revolution in the late 1800s. Everyone recognized that electricity would become central to the economy with massive amounts of money at stake. The struggle raged over whether electricity would be a public service or a privatized commodity and who would control it. The United States became the only major industrialized country not to make electricity a public service. These private power companies became infamous as dividend machines for Wall Street, led by robber baron banker J.P. Morgan. They fought tooth and nail against publicly owned power systems, which were usually about 30% cheaper for customers, and they won. They captured government policy at both federal and state levels, legislating regional monopoly rights for their companies. Now these entrenched utilities are waging the same life-and-death battle again, desperately trying to retain their monopolies through raw political power. But the paradigm has shifted under them. Today's technologies are cheaper, climate-friendly, and conducive to a decentralized, distributed, democratized energy system. Think rooftop solar and local community power generation and electric cars. This energy transition also holds the promise of political transformation, says Danny Kennedy. One thing I always try to focus on with clean energy transitions is the potential of them to be not just better from a not carbon dense and dirty, but beautiful, like, you know, potentially quite a transformative thing. My wife always says that this isn't just a better future, it's a beautiful future. And it, it's true if we fill out the true potential of this technology transition we're talking about, because energy is the commanding heights of the economy. Much of the rest downstream flows from what energy choices a society makes. That's been true since the Roman Empire. And this time we have a chance to build something that's basically distributed, where the means of production, if you will, can sit at the end use um, and, and very close and local to the people that are participating in electricity and mobility services. And that, in turn, lends itself to local ownership and democratic control. It doesn't necessarily become so. This is the bit where I'm not so technologically optimistic that I believe it shall set us free. <laughs> it's going to be a struggle. But there is this amazing potential that we can bust the trusts, all these monopolies that necessarily had to centralize capital to build big boiling stations in the middle of deserts and huge transmission lines and pipelines and all the infrastructure that goes with fossil fuels just by nature of that technology set. And instead, we replace it with this, what I call 3D energy, three-dimensional or distributed in its architecture, decentralized in its ownership and democratized in its control. That potential, not yet fulfilled by any stretch in many places, although 
inklings of it in countries like Germany, you know, 35 gigawatts of wind, 35 gigawatts of solar in an 80 gigawatt capacity country, and most of it owned by cooperatives. That's the sort of future we could get. We can be inclusive with this one. We can generate a better future that is also more beautiful by buying in everyone and not just lifting a few boats, as was the case with fossil fuels over the, the previous 100, 150 years. That's what I think we should design for and struggle for and do systems thinking around. Like so many failed empires before it, the fossil fuel empire is failing to make the shift to the next energy source. Facing the dire threat of climate chaos, we know we have to change our ways. Building resilience is the key. Nature creates resilience by running on current sunlight, by banking on diversity, by rewarding cooperation, and by building from the bottom up. All of that is now within our grasp as the clean energy era facilitates a decentralized clean energy economy. And there's no energy shortage in nature. It's abundant, and we know how to tap it without harming the climate or each other. The tipping point has come. But will we make the shift in time? We have come a long way. We are winning, but it's about the halfway mark. We're just after the break in the game or the seven-inning stretch or whatever analogy you want to use. We can win, but only if we stay the course. And we do whatever, wherever it takes. Invest. Get jobs in the industry. Take part in the struggle. Contribute to the movement that makes these markets work and support this as the greatest struggle of our times. Thank you very much. Danny Kennedy, lighting the way to a clean, fair, and beautiful energy future. Power Struggle, the unstoppable rise of the clean energy era. You can see and hear more from Danny Kennedy and explore more Bioneers radio programs, podcasts, and videos online at Bioneers.org. For information on attending the National Bioneers Conference and Bioneers events in your area, please visit Bioneers.org or call 1-877-BIONEER. The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature is a production of Bioneers and Collective Heritage Institute. Executive producer, Kenny Ausubel. Written by Kenny Osabel. Senior producer and station relations, Stephanie Welch. Host and consulting producer, Neil Harvey. Producer, Teo Grossman. Program engineer, Emily Harris. Interview recording engineer, Jeff Westman. Our theme music is co-written by the Baca Forest people of Cameroon and Baca Beyond from the album East to West. All royalties from Baca compositions and performances go to the Baca Forest people through the charity Global Music Exchange. Find out more at globalmusicexchange.org. Additional music was made available by Growing Bin Records at growingbinrecords.com and by International Feel Records at internationalfeel.com. For more music information, 
please visit Bioneers.org. The opinions expressed on the Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature are those of the presenters and are not necessarily those of Bioneers and Collective Heritage Institute, the underwriters, or this radio station. My name is Neil Harvey. Thank you for listening. I invite you to join the Bioneers in inspiring a shift to live on Earth in ways that honor the web of life, each other, and future generations. This is program number 0417.